Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, family, or neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we are joined by Brandon Lay. Now, his career began in 2010 when he moved to Nashville to chase a career in country music. Now, in 2017, he released his major label debut single, Speakers, Bleachers, and Preachers. That's when things really started to pick up. In 2018, he opened for Kenny Chesney on his stadium tour. And then at the beginning of 2020, he opened for Brantley Gilbert before the world shut down. Now, during that time, between 2017 and 2020, Brandon found that he was beginning to lose himself within the music. Because of the busyness of the career, he was going on autopilot all of a sudden. So in 2020, he really took a step back to focus on himself and the type of music that he wanted to create, that he moved to Nashville to create. That led to two new singles earlier this year in Back Home and Broke, and it is going to lead to more new music in 2022. So please enjoy our conversation with Brandon Lay. I saw a post on your social media this weekend. You were outside with the kiddos, having some fun outside. And I wanted to ask you about the connection with that to your childhood. Is that similar to what your childhood was like? A lot of time outside, a lot of time in the outdoors? Um, you know, it, it was, Brandon. I, I lived in a subdivision, though. I lived in a, um, you know, at the end of a cove. And we had, you know, a little bit of a backyard with some woods. And I was always outside. And um, my grandfather had a, had a pretty big farm. And you know, it was in West Tennessee. It, it was a hundred acres, but to me, it was like Yellowstone. You know what I mean? So I, I rode four wheelers and just did all the stuff, fishing in his pond, and always wanted to raise my kids in in the country. And that's ultimately why Nicole and I we moved out out here about two years ago, and um, we 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 we've loved it. So I try to try to incorporate what what I love the most and let these kiddos get outside and get some energy out every now and then. So sort of calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and your son is three, I believe, and your daughter's one. And so what have you been instilling in them as far as music goes? Have you begun that process within them yet? Or are you sort of waiting to let them discover it? Well, we have a, a little room with a um, kind of a, a little platform and we just call it the stage room. And they uh, they've seen me on stage doing shows. And so my little boy will like to emulate. He's got a little guitar and he slaps it around and sings. He sings, I've got a song called still rock and roll. And for whatever reason, he's obsessed with, with that one. So that's his go-to when he puts on the show, but yeah, I think they're going to be pretty musical, but I won't push it on them. And so those stage performances at home that he's doing at three, were you that kid as well when you were that age? For sure. For sure. I was Elvis Presley all the way. So that, that I would dress up and pretend to be Elvis and, you know, make a guitar out of the shoebox. And, you know, it's so ironic. My dad is a Southern Baptist preacher. Uh, he told me when I was little, he's like, Dolly Parton gets up and she writes one song a day. He's like, if you just have one song that takes off, you know, you, that could be your career, writing a song a day. And it's so weird because I didn't think I was going to make you know a, a life in music because i was just all about playing basketball and you know just being a normal teenager growing up and stuff 
And then when I got in college, I took a guitar class and it just kind of got the bug and, and kind of never looked back. So um, it, it, it is weird that, you know, like 30 years later, what he told me and my sister was, you know, kind of came true. And I wanted to ask you about your grandma, because I saw that in 2015, you played the Strawberry Festival in Humboldt, Tennessee. That's, I believe, about 30 minutes away from your hometown. And you mentioned that your grandma used to take you to that festival every year when you were growing up. And so I wanted to ask you about her and what influence she had on your musical dreams back then. Yeah, Brandon, that's so you you were digging deep to find that. But that was a. (laughs) an annual thing every May, she took all the grandkids uh, to the strawberry festival, but you know, she didn't have really much to do with, with music. She, she just spoiled, spoiled as rotten is all she did. And she gave everything she had. She worked at JC Penney's all year round and she would just save up just about us Christmas presents every year. She would spend all of her money on, on the seven grandkids. So, um, you know, she, she just, gave and gave and um she she was a good one but you know she she wasn't very musical at all that's that's my dad's mom and and my dad is not musical at all so it just kind of really came out of nowhere well yeah that's what i was going to ask like growing up you mentioned sports you were a sports kid and so where did the music come in is that something you discovered on your own sort of away from your family um you know my mom had real good taste in music like you know, early 90s, there's so much great country that was coming out, class of 89. So guys like Alan Jackson and Vince Gill and Garth Brooks, obviously, was a huge thing. But when I got to high school, you know, Kenny Chesney had, I think, When the Sun Goes Down album came out about the time I was a senior. And I just, man, every every line on that whole album, I felt like he was, you know, talking about me and my buddies. And so, you know, my buddies always liked music. We always jammed out or whatever, but the lyrics always meant so much to me. Um, I was so intrigued with, with how people, you know, contextualize their, their life experiences. And so as soon as I learned a few chords, I started just writing songs. So um, it was a uh, 10%, but when I pivoted, I never touched the, I didn't touch the basketball for like six years. You know, I was just, I was moving to Nashville and, and trying to live the dream. <laughs> and growing up, I saw you posted a photo that you found on your parents' fridge from when you were growing up. And I think it was in church and there was a guy sitting there with a guitar and you mentioned in the post that it was Johnny Cash. And I was wondering if that actually was him. It, it, it was. Um, I, I lived in Gallatin, Tennessee until I was eight, which is about 30 miles north of Nashville, until I was eight years old. And um, Johnny Cash had a house in Hendersonville on the lake old hickory lake which is there and him and june carter would come to church and um they my dad actually preached a few sermons with with them on the front row and you know that's just kind of magical you know he you know he would come to visit the kids and do that kind of stuff so we just thought he was an old man at the time you know and now it's it's just like holy crap how many people got that opportunity you know that's awesome. And you talked about picking up the guitar, learning those first few chords and then writing. I wanted to ask you about Charlie Baker, who I believe was your first guitar teacher. And I wanted to learn a bit about him and, and what influence he had and what he meant on the beginning of your journey. And if you would be on this journey, if it wasn't for him. No, I, I certainly wouldn't, Brandon, because I, I, you know, he encouraged me every week. I would you know, be able to play a little more stuff, a little more stuff. And he was the one, he told me I need to either get in a musical play 
or go to an open mic writer's night at a bar. And so I, I obviously chose the latter. That was a lot more fun. So um, once I played my first open mic, I was, I was hooked. And, you know, he encouraged me to move to Nashville. He said, you got to go up there and give it a shot. You know, he was up there in the 70s and he actually played rhythm guitar for Carl Perkins. He was on the road with Carl Perkins, you know, who wrote Blue Suede Shoes and, you know, was good buddies with Elvis and Johnny. But, right. he, um, you know, he just really encouraged me to get, go on and get out there, you know. Um, so I definitely wouldn't have done it without, you know, his encouragement because I was like, wow, this is this guy's been there and done that, you know, and he's telling me that he thinks I'm good enough to move to Nashville. So certainly, um, certainly gave me the, the spark to go. And did he help you record your first song? Was it uh, Tell Me She's Ugly? Is that the first song that you recorded? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up, but yes, it was. And it was for a radio contest. And the, the winner of the contest got to open for our local heroes, Jonathan Singleton and The Grove and Ash Bowers. Both of them at the time um, were on big labels. And um, Ash was out with Luke Bryan. And Jonathan was out with Eric Church. And so, like, you get to open for those guys. You know, I really wanted to win. And so we went in there the night before the contest was due and cut Tell Me She's Ugly. And it was out of tune and out of time. <laughs> but they actually played that on the radio. And at the end of the year, uh, Froggy 104 in my hometown of Jackson, Tennessee, they always do the top five most played songs that they played all year. And it was number four that year. Like, really? I, they played – Yes, it was. I was like, "Are y'all playing a joke on me?" But it was. Uh, it certainly helped my 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 live shows because you know, obviously, people heard on the radio, and then they were able to come to a bar and and see it live. As bad as it, bad as it was, it actually helped me out a lot. That's great. And so, in 2010, I believe it was that you made the move to Nashville. When you did that, were you focused on a career in country music? Like, this is what I'm doing. This is it. For sure. Yeah, that's all I wanted. I was, um, I, yeah, you know, a lot of guys move to town and they're afraid to say they want to be an artist. They want to, they want to be a songwriter and then, then they, they really want to be an artist, but they don't ever say it. They just say, I'm, I'm a songwriter, but I came up there and I'm, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to get a record deal because I love playing live with a band and I wanted to get out on the road as much as we could. And I wanted to be like Kenny Chesney, you know what I mean? So, um, for sure, that's why I moved up there, and um, I was pretty focused. And you were playing a lot of colleges and universities those first couple of years that you were there. And as a young kid who's just getting into country music, like, was that sort of a dream to be just touring around to these colleges and basically partying every night? Yeah, it it, it was a big party for sure. Um, <laughs> I had a I had an old motorhome, and there would be eight of us in it, and you know I we pulled our own trailer with all the production and all the lights and most of which I bought off Craigslist, by the way. And, um, <laughs> this motor home took us all over the country and we went from frat house to sorority house to college club. And it, that thing ran on fireball and Red Bull. It was, it was a trip. And was it a unique balance as a, as a younger person of, you know, living that dream of touring around and playing shows and, you know, partying every night, like we say, but also keeping that focus of, I don't just want to be stuck in this my whole career. I have to keep working to get out of this at some point. Exactly. You're, you're, you're dead on because we were playing probably 70% covers at the time, 30% originals. I had a little album out 
that was doing really good regionally. So it gave people enough draw to come see us. And, um, but, but, you know, doing four hour sets, we were playing a lot of cover. So you're exactly right. I knew on the weekends we would do that, but on, you know, Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Thursday, I was in Nashville riding. And that's some advice I got from Ash Bowers who, you know, he really was a mentor to me when I first moved to town. I think he produces Jimmy Allen now and Matt yeah. Stell. So He's got a lot going, but um, he was a real mentor for me and opened some doors. But, you know, he kind of – I might have went too much the party um, cover band way, which was, you know, totally wouldn't be the right way I wanted. So he was like, you know, the real work is done in the writer room. So he, uh, it was good advice. And as far as that writing goes, when you arrived in Nashville, did you feel like a songwriter? Had you been writing for a couple of years up to that, to a point where you felt comfortable writing in Nashville? Or did that take a couple of years to get comfortable with? Um, I kind of jumped right in, to be honest. I think I'd had like, I'd written like five or six songs. That's all. Um, when, I moved to Nash- when I moved to Nashville. And um, it's ironic. My dad gave me a, just a notepad. And I went, when I moved, I had, I was, fortunate because my sister taught kindergarten in Murfreesboro which is about 20 miles south of Nashville so I moved to Murfreesboro and I would just commute every day to Nashville but um, the first song I wrote on the first day I woke up and I was like well this is I guess this feels like a job and I wrote a song called Georgia that ultimately got me my first publishing deal so it, it was crazy how that first song that first day ended up uh, three years later you know getting me a, a publishing deal so I could you know, actually make money doing music other than show money. So um, I don't know. I kind of just jumped, jumped in it, to be honest, and, and, you know, for better or worse. And as far as the music goes, in September of 2013, I believe it was, you had a post on social media where you had printed some copies of an EP. Where were you at at that point as far as being an artist and starting that career? That was... Um, I got signed to Warner Chapel as a writer artist. And um, my point person there, Alicia Pruitt, was the one who believed in me and signed me. Um, I don't know. It was a real turning point in 2013. That was just kind of a, after a few months of writing, she was like, we need to, you know, you're, you're, you're touring, but you need some fresh music. So she, she helped me record that and package that. And it was just something we were pretty much slinging at frat shows, you know, and, given away basically so um just wanted to have something that to hand to people so I, I forget how many songs was on it but um you know just something that people could put in their truck and live with right and around that 2013 mark as well as when you started to write and play with jameson rogers and hunter phelps and those are two guys who you're still friends with to this day so what have those two relationships meant for your career in just having that support of other artists? It, it's, it's crazy that I met Jameson the first day I moved to Nashville at the Bluebird. Oh, really? And we become best buddies, roommates. And then Hunter moved to town, I think, two or three years later. And we just became like a little writing group, and we called ourselves the Mood Makers. And so people know us as the Mood Makers, and we – you know, we got to play down at 30A Songwriter Festival, and that was cool for all three of us. But, you know, we wrote every Monday for years and years, and, you know, we lived together and uh, hung out together. And, um, you know, it, it's funny. When I went on the road to do radio tour back in 17, I feel like those guys, they were still writing. And I feel like 
obviously they're on fire now. Um, I feel like they, they wrote some of their best stuff, you know, while I was probably out touring, it, it, it would probably paid off for them to be in Nashville, right. Some stuff. Cause obviously they're hot, but I've been doing some shows with Jameson and it's always fun to, to, to write just because, you know, six months can go by, but we can get in the room and, you know, it's just really easy. And in 2017, Speakers, Bleachers, and Preachers. Now that song, I want to sort of follow the journey of that song because you wrote it with Luke Laird and you guys didn't finish it. It sat for, I don't know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And then Shane McNally came in and helped you finish it. So talk about that sequence of events and how that song felt as you were writing it. Um, we, were, we were writing for something you know, for potentially a first single because the label put a lot of importance on like introduction, like who you are, um, you know, which to be honest, I think can be a little overrated sometimes just because a cool song, a good song always wins, but speakers, bleachers and preachers was pretty much a literal summation of, of, you know, where I came from, what I was all about, you know, free foes and, and the Lord and chasing girls. And, you know, that was, and guitars, you know, so we just quite literally put that in a song and um you know it's funny the, the the second verse has kenny chesney in it and luke was like i don't know that just seems too close let's you know put tom petty or something in it <laughs> and you know shane was like no that's that's what he did you know that's what he did when he was 18 so um it's funny kind of fought for that and maybe it helped me get on a tour with him the next year i don't know but um anyway that that song was just you know it one that felt good and um you know it just kind of worked and you produced the song with paul d giovanni now what did he bring to it because did luke and shane produce it first and then right. you you went with paul to produce it again and it kind of came out um a little more on with the rock edge to it the second time paul brought a lot of unique sounds to that track i feel like and uh, he, he's just a, a amazing guy to work with. And, you know, we, we, we did, you know, live tracking with the band when I cut it with Luke and Shane. And when I cut it with Paul, we programmed a lot in, you know, at his house. And then we went into the studio. So it was kind of, kind of reverse, if you will. And oh, okay. I like that process a little bit better at the time. And so do you ever think if you hadn't sort of reproduced it? Um, yes, I do. I do wonder if what would happen, you know, because I go back and listen to it now and um, it's easy to be overcritical of your mixes when you get them back, you know, um, and then you let it sit for six months and then you listen to it and you're like, well, that wasn't that bad. You know, that sounds pretty good, actually. So, yeah, sometimes I wonder. Um, but, you know, it you know you make mistakes you know you make decisions and sometimes mistakes but i don't think that was a mistake i thought that was the right call and um it, it was the difference in the label being excited and, and not being excited so that's all i needed to know and with that point in your career obviously you had recorded music before that you had released music you had an ep that you sort of soft released so at that point when you're releasing speakers bleachers and preachers what did that feel like for you in that moment of your career? It felt good. It was, um, I, I had a lot of songs damned up, but I was so ready to release them to the world, you know? Um, so when that moment came, it was kind of just like, ah, finally, because 
we were touring hard without music available, you know? So that, um, I didn't, you know, obviously that didn't work very good. You know, I was ready to put music out. So that kind of kicked things in high gear and radio tour was really wild and really, really pretty strenuous for a couple of years. Um, but you know, the song did okay. It was my introduction. It didn't do what we wanted to do on terrestrial radio, but it did pretty good on um, the highway and it did good and it went in gold in Canada. So yep. I was uh, pleased, pleased with that. So, um, you know, I, it, it was a good starting point. And the next year in 2018, you hit the road with Kenny Chesney. Now, when you're playing a tour like that, you're playing stadiums, you're sort of living the dream. But when a tour like that is over, what is that feeling like? Is there like almost a low that comes with that? Nobody's ever asked me that. That's a really great question because there absolutely was. Um, I would equate it to being with your friends at the beach all week and then them all leaving and you're still there and it's raining. I don't know. That's kind of how it felt at the end of that tour. Um, we went right back on the road, though. It was so busy doing radio tour. Um, you know, back to playing small rooms, radio stations, um, you know, guitar pools in a parking lot, casinos, you name it, you know, we did it. So for sure it was, it was taking, you know, felt like taking a big step back, but you know, I always knew what an opportunity that, um, you know, that tour was. So I, I knew it was going to come to an end and I, I really felt like I rang out as much as I could from it. So no regrets. And so in 2020, you toured with Brantley Gilbert, and you released some new music. And so going into the shutdown, how important were those moments in just showing you you were going in the right direction, even though everything was shutting down, there was positivity going into that? Yeah, um, you know, it, it shut down the tour. It shut down my third single uh, for, for my mind, which kind of pulled it when, you know, COVID hit. Um, we were halfway through the, the Brantley Gilbert tour and, um, you know, it was a bummer. I don't think I realized at the time how much it probably hurt me. Like it hurt a lot of people's careers, but, um, you know, it's so hard to build momentum in this business that you, you definitely don't want to lose it, but obviously who could forecast a worldwide pandemic, you know, what, you know, things are out of your control. I've tried to learn to let them go, you know? And talk about during 2020 and early 2021 and sort of the reset that you had mentally and going into the new music that you have now and just the new feeling that you have for your music that maybe you lost in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think I lost it just because I wasn't writing and wasn't creating. And every day I either want to make something with my hands or write a song or record a song um, you know, I, I feel like, but when I was constantly crisscrossing the country playing the same songs, I did get a little fried and I did let the, the tour life kind of get to me and, um, you know, wasn't eating right. I wasn't sleeping right. I was drinking way too much. And when I came home, I had to, I had to reset because I was foggy. I'll just be honest. I was. And so in, in a lot of ways, COVID hit at a really great time for me mentally because we were, my wife and I were building this house and uh, we had just moved from the city out to the country. And, you know, we had 
uh, a little little baby and one on the way. So it was pretty chaotic as it was. But um, I, I needed that break. So, you know, I, I, I trust God and, and what his plan is for, for my life. I, I really do. Um, you know, even though I got off there for, for a little while, um, you know, COVID has kind of recentered me spiritually, emotionally and mentally. And um, I think it's been a it's been a positive thing for me. Uh, career is is, um, you know, I try to compartmentalize career, probably, you know, definitely hurt my momentum. But, um, you know, what can you do except for get up and create music and and just keep on making music and playing. And luckily, we're starting to get back out of the road, like I said, with Jameson and We've been playing some shows in, you know, the Midwest, Nebraska, Iowa area. And it feels so good just to get out in front of people again. So hopefully, um, hopefully we're done with, with all that. So we'll yeah, see. exactly. And the first two singles that you've released in 2021 are back home and broke. Now, how much excitement do you have behind these singles for pushing you forward into the, what you obviously hope is sort of the next stage of your career? Yeah, we, we released those in hopes to kind of build up some buzz for um, for February or March. We're, we, we're going to be releasing a new single. And so we wanted to have like a nine-month, six-month plan. And so re- releasing those were kind of just, you know, um, signals of what's to come, basically. And um, I, I cut a new album during COVID with, uh, I mentioned Jonathan Singleton earlier, I, I cut an album with, with him and he's the producer on it. And he opened for me when we played um, a show in my hometown, we had kind of a homecoming show and it was awesome. Amphitheater it was packed. And um, he heard me play and he hadn't heard me play in a long time. And he was like, man, your sound on the radio and then what your band does are two different things. And, you know, he helped me kind of bridge that gap. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's been a, creative process but you know um what else can you do and so the first two singles are more up tempo than maybe your last few releases in 2020 and so the new music that's to come on an album it does it have that same vibe to it throughout the album yeah you know it's it's funny having these kids and like i feel like i'm living in the good old days right now Whereas my default as a songwriter has always been nostalgia, nostalgia. And so I feel like creatively, um, you know, just where I am personally has kind of shifted into more of a light, honestly, more of a lighthearted kind of guy. And, and, and it showed me what I want to play live. You know, I want to sing about happy things every night. You know, I I want to record songs that I look forward to to playing every night. And not that I don't the other ones I I do. I'm proud of, of, of my work. Um, but there's definitely more of a jovial kind of a lighthearted spirit. That's a little more down home that I think is, um, is, is definitely more of who I really am. And is there a song on there that your wife joined you for? There is a song called you don't want me loving you as a song I wrote one night at my kitchen table. And it, it basically is just, um, you know, it, 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 I guess the, the, thematically is pretty similar to hard to love by Lee Bryce, but it's, it's a total different song than that, but it just kind of, it kind of just speaks of, of her, um, what she puts up with, <laughs> you know, from me and still, and still holds on and loves me. And she's a great singer. So um, it's kind of a Jackson Brown feeling rock and roll song. Um, 
you know, piano and guitar, you know, it, it's, it's more Seeger, Seeger-esque than anything I've put out before. And so it was cool to have her sing the high harmony kind of made it, made it feel like that era for sure. And as far as a songwriter, I know that you've had some cuts, actually Manny Blue, a Canadian artist, he recently cut one of your songs. And so as a songwriter right now in your career, is that still part of it? For sure. I mean, I had this conversation with my, my publisher the other day, like, hey, I know we're, we're going to be releasing music in 22, but I really would love to get on the Morgan Wallen album. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so <laughs> I'm definitely um, the ones I'm not cutting. I for sure. Yeah, for sure. Love to write with people. And like Manny Blue, I've never met Manny, but uh, my buddy Aaron Estes, I guess, produced that, who I wrote that song with. And I didn't even know it came out. And I saw the music video and I was like, holy crap, that's I mean, they they did that right you know that music video is like a, a mini movie and so it I'm, it made me a fan of him for sure and what is that like when you have a song that you wrote and you obviously have a vision in your head of what you think it sounds like but when you see what an artist does with it and the spin they put on it and the emotion they put behind it what is that like for you in those two areas um, it's, it's, it, he did pretty dead on what I would have done if I would have cut it. I mean, the music video, that, that's what I would have tried to pull off. I don't know if I would have been able to. So that's where I got a lot of, a lot of love for him and, and his vision. But, um, you know, it, the most getting the cut, really the only word to describe it is just gratifying. You know, it, it's, it's, um, uh, it just is kind of like, huh, I'm glad somebody, you know, can put this out in the world and somebody gets it and you know you write so many um it's just it's really gratifying to to get you know somebody that digs your stuff enough to to put it out there on their record so um definitely thankful for that and i'm i'm definitely still you know pitching other songs to other artists for sure and as far as being thankful goes as we get back into more normalcy within music obviously for an artist like yourself, you sort of have to hit it pretty hard to get back into the groove and get your music out there. But is that a balance of not sort of losing yourself again within that music and, and the touring and, you know, actually having some mindfulness within it as you get back into the busyness of it? For sure. Yeah. It's something to watch out for. I mean, old habits are hard to break <laughs> and uh, you know, but when, when you I've surrounded myself with some really great people that that Lord knows where I would be with without them you know I think that's I think that's key with that but I'm definitely hit hitting this all this whole career thing from a different angle uh, moving forward you know we're, we're, we're about to have some more fun and uh, we're probably going to have a lot more up-tempo songs and uh, you know we're we're gonna there's going to be a flood of music from every artist and you know you I'm sure you can feel it coming um, and, and we're no different in that so we're, we're going to hit the ground running as hard as we can Thank you so much once again for listening and thank you to Brandon for stopping by and sharing his story be sure to check out his new singles Back Home and Broke wherever you stream your music Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music.